Mother's Day is around the corner and I have the best gift idea for you. Hold on to your hats. It's mylifeinabook.com. Every week, My Life in a Book will send your mom a question via email. They will compile all of your mom or the mom in your life's answers and create a legacy keepsake book. The book becomes something you and future generations can treasure forever. I gave both my mother and my mother-in-law my life in a book, and they've already started responding to the prompts. When my mother-in-law received her first prompt, she said, oh my goodness, what a thoughtful gift. And that's what we all want, right? We all want to give thoughtful gifts. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day, mylifeinabook.com, and use code SUSTAINABLE for 10% off today. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 110. You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian. Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are identifying the not-so-obvious areas we all somehow forget to declutter. We all have those spaces in our homes that we ignore. We flat out ignore them, right? And for whatever reason, we avoid decluttering and organizing these spaces because we know the task is going to be difficult, so we just procrastinate. For me, that area is, well, I should back up and say I have multiple areas like this. One area is definitely my shoe collection. I avoid decluttering that area at all costs. And then the other area that comes to mind that is super strange, but it is what it is, is my cabinet where I keep all my serving platters. I know it's strange, but I'm avoiding that area too for some very specific reasons. We all have these places in our homes that we know we need to get to work in, but we procrastinate on purpose. Those areas are not what we are talking about on today's episode. Instead, my guest is here to outline the places that we simply and honestly just forget about. My guest today is Shannon Torrens. Shannon is a blogger and a YouTuber whose area of expertise is decluttering. If you love a good old show about decluttering and minimalism, this one is for you, and my hope today is that Shannon lights a fire under you to get to work in the six areas we discussed today 
right now. Enjoy the episode. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk all about the places we forgot to declutter. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing really good. I'm so happy we connected. We had a little um, snafu with the recording offline, but we made it work. So we're going to make this an extra special conversation. Before we even start talking about decluttering and minimalism and all that good stuff, tell us about yourself. Okay. My name is Shannon Torrens. I have two young boys, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I'm married and I've been married for eight years. I have a blog, shannontorrens.com, a YouTube channel all about decluttering, becoming more minimal. I am also an artist on the side just for fun. And I'm also the stay-at-home mom for now. So I have all that going on and decluttering and becoming more minimal is my main topic on my blog. Hmm. So tell us about that. How did you find minimalism and how did you find yourself decluttering? So it's kind of an interesting story. I actually got fed up with our cable TV. They kept raising the price and I thought there's got to be a better way than feeling like I have to constantly pay this bill every month. And I decided we're going to quit cable TV for a while and see how it goes. We ended up getting Netflix and I watched the documentary by The Minimalists and it just uh, a little spark went off in my head thinking I could do that. I don't need all this stuff around me and I can start living with less. And it, it kind of all started with trying to save more money. Uh, but I really got into decluttering and I really started to love living with less stuff. How old were your children when you embarked on this minimalist journey? So at the time, my youngest Calvin was almost one years old. And so, yeah, that's <laughs> my five-year-old would have been, I think, three at the time. So that's another reason why I wanted to start decluttering is all of the toys were becoming pretty overwhelming for me. They were in our living room, our kitchen, in their room. It just felt like the kid stuff was taking over our entire house. And that was a major area that I did declutter. And I found as I started to declutter their toys, they actually became more focused on the things that they really liked rather than being overwhelmed with too much. Hmm. I bet that seeing that, them really focusing on the toys that they liked instead of all the other ancillary stuff that probably gave you a little bit more motivation to keep going and apply your efforts to the rest of your home. Yes, actually realizing that they were happy to uh, enjoy the toys that they really loved and they didn't get upset with the stuff we were getting rid of made me realize that I could get rid of a lot more of my own stuff that I didn't need that was taking up space and time and energy. So you said you focused first on the boys stuff, but I'm wondering how long did the whole, I'm assuming you did a whole house declutter. How long did that take? And did you follow a system or a strategy? How did you do it? So after I watched that show, the minimalist documentary, I got so inspired. I think it was the next day I jumped up and started 
going through really obvious things. Anytime I had a duplicate item, I would just choose one and get rid of the other one. So that was pretty simple to get rid of the really obvious stuff that was around our house. But then it slowed down and I started to really take my time and go through our house cupboard by cupboard and room by room and really think about what I was keeping and what we didn't need. So overall, it took an entire year to declutter our whole house, our garage, everything. And of course, decluttering never ends, but that was my initial declutter. And it was about a year that it took. I hear that a lot. I talk to a lot of minimalists slash declutterers, and they always say it really just not even dependent on the size of your home, but about a year is uh, is what I hear. So for, for those of you listening who think, oh my gosh, a whole year, a whole year to get one thing done, just know it's a process, right? And it gets easier with time. And as your efforts snowball, the benefits will snowball too. <laughs> so a little bit of motivation for those of you who hear the year thrown around and just think, heck no. But you mentioned that after you tackled your boys' toys, you focused on the obvious things. And I love that because that's that's kind of what we all do. We focus on the obvious things, the duplicates, the things that don't work, the things that we don't like or never liked and should never have brought into our home to begin with. But today we are talking about the not so obvious things, <laughs> the places and areas that we forgot to declutter. So I would really love to talk to you about this blog post I found of yours, which mentions all the places and areas and things we forget to declutter. And the first one, I love this, is we forget to declutter our fantasy selves and our fantasy selves stuff. So first of all, what is your fantasy person? Okay, so my fantasy self is the person that you want to be, but isn't really you. So for instance, I had a whole bunch of scrapbooking uh, crafts and scrapbooking stickers and the books and the pictures. And I thought at one point, this was going to be my thing. I was going to get into scrapbooking. And then I realized that not only did I not really have a lot of time to do that with two young children, but as I was doing it, I realized I didn't really like it. I, it gave me anxiety. Then also going along with becoming more minimal, I didn't want to really store a whole ton of scrapbooking things and books. And I just realized that that was actually not something I wanted to do. It was my fantasy self. And I was holding on to all of these items thinking I should want to do this. I should follow through with it. And finally, at one point, I just said, you know, it's not for me and that's okay. I gave it a try and I'm going to donate all this stuff, finish the book I was currently working on and just move on to something else. And that's just one example. I think our fantasy self could also be if you think you might want to dress up all the time and you have all these dress up clothes, high heels, nice dresses, but you never wear them. So that's another idea of a fantasy self. It could really be anything, but for me, what it boils down to is just any item or craft or thing that I am never going to actually do, I don't store that anymore. 
I love that because it makes me think about who my fantasy self is. <laughs> and my fantasy self is a really like well-dressed, put together mom, right? You know, I'm one of those yeah. moms in my fantasies that like goes to pick up at school, dressed really nice. <laughs> but that yeah. is not me. That is just not me. I am a yoga pants and sneakers type of gal. Um, and it took me a long time to get rid of my work clothes from back when I was a teacher. I didn't really want to say goodbye to that person. But now that now that that person's gone, I can fully embrace my yoga pants and sneakers. So I do think that it's important to identify and confront that fantasy self um, so that you can more step into your true skin, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And also, I feel like if we're holding on to a whole bunch of stuff that we are never going to finish or we're never going to do or use it can hold you back from what you really want to do because in the back of your head, you're constantly thinking, oh, I need to finish that scrapbook or I need to finish that sewing project that I'm never going to do. And it just, it can slow you down for what you really want to work on. Mm, Agreed. So, okay. So first area is our fantasy self and our fantasy selves stuff. Next up is another place that we all forget to declutter. We all tackle the the physical photographs, right? We we know how to do those. But the digital photographs, we all forget about. Tell me what decluttering the digital photos looks like for you. Okay, so <laughs> I understand that to go through your computer and pull up old photos from 10 years ago is probably a lot to deal with. But what I'm doing now is I'm trying to work on my current digital photos. So Maybe I'll go back a year if I have time, go through my photos and get rid of any of the photos that I know are really terrible and I'm never going to use. And then from this point on, whenever I am going to download all of my photos from my phone onto my computer, I always go through and just delete everything that is bad. I know I'm never going to print out something that is never going to be used. I just get rid of those photos. I don't see the point in holding on to them. And also a lot of us pay for monthly storage and we have backups on our computers and they get full and then we have to get more. So I just find if I can delete the photos that I'm never going to use, it gives me more storage for the photos that I do want to keep. I love that. And taking it a step further, Diane Bowden, the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast, sent out like an an amazing tip that I had never thought of before recently, which was if you go to an event or you have a party or whatever, save the best two to five photos, all the mediocre ones where someone's looking away or somebody's eyes are closed or you've got somebody's bad angle, just delete them now because in 10 years, when you are going back looking at this event and this party, you're not going to stop and enjoy those mediocre ones. You're going to you're gonna look for the best photos. So you're right. It's very daunting to think about going back 10 years and deleting stuff. But if you get in the habit now, you're, starting, you're doing maintenance, really. You're setting yourself up for a habit that is providing maintenance on your digital footprint. That's so true. And I've even taken it a step further where... Sometimes I go to events and, you know, the first thing you want to do is pull your phone out and start taking photos. And I have to question myself, what 
am I going to be doing with all of these photos? And sometimes it's more enjoyable just to take maybe one or two and then keep my phone put away and just enjoy the event in real time and not worry about trying to capture every moment on my phone. Mm. Yeah. And that makes me wonder too, you know, I grew up and I think because of your children and their ages, I think you did too, of the age of film, right? And our our moms had (laughs) cameras with film and you only had like 26 pictures or so before you had to stop. And I think maybe these days with digital photos and our camera right on our hip on our cell phone, like we're just so click happy. We take pictures of everything, Mm -hmm. but maybe if we can disengage from that camera and that cell phone a little bit and be more fully present in whatever that event or occasion is, we might be better off now and and in the long run. Yeah, it's very true. All right. I have to ask you about kids artwork because I get a lot of slack in my personal life for not keeping my children's artwork. I'll tell you what I do with my children's artwork after, but I want to know what do we do with it all? Okay. I know the struggle because now that my son is in kindergarten, he brings home probably five projects. There's almost a project every single day that he's coming home with. And not only projects, but also the work he's doing. And at first I felt the same guilt. I have to save all of this and put it in a book. And what's interesting, a little backstory here, is my mom, a year ago handed me a enormous bin of my artwork and my projects from when I was in kindergarten through 12th grade. And I went through it thinking, wow, I don't need any of this. Like I did not need one item from that box. And that really put it in perspective for me when I'm trying to decide what to save for my boys And it comes down to, are they going to want this big bin of stuff when they're older? And what I've gone to doing is saving about one to two projects, maybe a month. And then what I do is as I, as new projects are coming in, I kind of reevaluate what I've saved so far. And I've come up with a three ring binder solution where I have tabs for kindergarten through 12th grade. And what I'm going to do is just three hole punch things that I really want to save, put it in the binder, and maybe it'll be something that I want to keep and they may never want, but just to have memories for when they're older and moved out for myself. But if they want it, they can have it as well. But I just want to save a few really good projects from each year that they're in school. And then everything else, I honestly just recycle. Uh, We might hang a few items on their wall for a while. And then as the new projects come in, we hang them and then recycle them. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but knowing how it felt when I got that bin of art from my childhood and not wanting to keep anything really just put it in perspective for me. Yeah. And I'm sure your mother is a very lovely lady, but what she was doing by saving all your art was really just kicking the can down the road a bit and she was trying to not feel guilty by throwing it in the trash. So she just gave it, she just stored it for 18 years and then gave it to you for you to make the decisions with. And, um, that's very nice of her, but it's not going to (laughs) happen in my house because I know my kids don't care about, they're not going to care about their four-year-old, 
you know, mittens that they, they watercolored. <laughs> what, <laughs> what I do is, well, I do a couple of things. The great stuff I hang on the door for a predetermined amount of time. There's only one door we use for art. And once it's filled and we want to hang something else, something has to come down. I take pictures of the best stuff and I put it in our end of the year photo albums and like a big page collage. So I kind of save it that way. But I don't save the the physical piece of art unless I am we like cut cut it out or, you know, can somehow repurpose it into a card for a holiday for loved ones. I try and repurpose it. And then the stuff with like the crazy googly eyeballs or the pipe cleaners this is so bad. I'm sorry, but I take them off and I save them for, for our projects that we're going to do again. I mean, <laughs> I just really feel like that's idea. the like, eco-friendly side of me coming out. But yeah, you're right. You ha- We have to think about like what our kids are going to want when they're adult. Do they want all these things? I'm betting and you're betting on they're not going to. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you could take it even to toys. If, if your mom saved all your toys from when you were five years old, are you going to want them when you're 35? Probably not. So it's the same idea. It's like to save everything because you might want it when you're older or if possibly your kids have kids. I mean, we'd be saving everything and then it just becomes really overwhelming and odds are they're not going to want these items. Mm. Another area you talk about that we often forget to declutter is that area, wherever it is, for me, it's the garage of all the unused sports equipment, right? How do it's like there, it's big stuff. So how do we forget it? But we do talk to me about what decluttering the sports equipment looks like in your home with two boys. For us, With the sports equipment, it's more small items I find right now because my boys are still pretty young, but I know it's going to become larger items as they grow up and get into more physical sports. And what I like to think about is if they're using it currently, we keep it. If it's a favorite thing that they like to do, then yes, we're going to keep those items Now, if for some reason we've got a whole bunch of sports equipment up on shelves and way up in the rafters that we never use, I personally don't see the point in keeping those just because maybe someday we might use them. I know my husband, and this is kind of interesting, he's pretty minimal, but he has a snowboard that he's been holding on to since we moved back here in 2011. And he has not snowboarded since before 2011. And he still has this snowboard. And I keep telling him, you'd be better off getting rid of it. And then if you do snowboard, just go rent a really nice snowboard when the time comes. And you know, it's going to work properly rather than store this snowboard for so long. But that's his. So I can't really just take that from him. But to me, that's the thinking. For instance, I ski. I don't keep skis because I only ski maybe every five to 10 years. So for me, it's just better to go rent a piece of equipment I know is going to work properly and fit at the time. And it's usually not that much money when it comes down to it. So for me, it's better to rent something than to store it. Yeah. You know, the thing with the sports equipment is it just kind of accumulates based on what kids are participating in, right? Like, so my, my oldest daughter, I've talked about this before too, but she played a year or a season of t-ball. And so, you know, we rushed out to get her all the t-ball stuff, the glove, the t-ball stand, 
And it turns out she hated T-ball. <laughs> it's almost with sports equipment. It's better to rent if you can. And if you can't rent, you should borrow or you should get it from somebody else who's discarding it because a child's hobby or even an adult's hobby as time becomes scarcer during parenting, you know, there, there's oftentimes not so much sense to hold on to this big stuff that you use so infrequently. I want to move right along to office supplies because office supplies, there's the opposite problem, right? The sports stuff is huge. The office supplies and the pens and the envelopes and that kind of stuff is small. So we often overlook it. When you are decluttering and you realize you have 60 pens and 500 (laughs) envelopes, where can that stuff go? Okay, so... With the office supplies, this was one of those things that I got into decluttering once I had decluttered my whole entire home. I got a little bit deeper into what I needed to go through, and that was organizing my drawers and kind of on a micro level of organization. And I realized you mentioned pens. I had a ton of pens. Not only were my drawers full of pens, but I also had a huge backup bag of pens. So what I did was, first of all, I stopped purchasing all new office supplies. I just thought I'm going to use everything I have until it's gone. And I tested out all the pens and discarded all the ones that didn't work, didn't have ink, were dried up. And then I just started using what I have. Now, if I had way too much of something, for instance, when my grandpa got rid of his business, he handed me a whole bunch of his office supplies that he was never going to use. I thought I would use them. So I had an industrial size of staples that I'm never going to use. And I had that stored in my drawer for a really long time. And finally, I realized I staple something probably once every other month. So I decided to donate that. And one place you can donate obviously is maybe a secondhand store, but also my son's school, they always take office supplies as well for crafts or just things that the teacher uses as well. So that's another idea of where you might be able to um, send your unused office supplies. As a former teacher, I will totally agree with that. I taught for 10 years and for 10 years I was using my own money to buy supplies to fill my classroom that my my students could use. So pens, pencils, scissors, staples, even anything, I would I would happily take them. And I'm sure that listeners listening who have a uh, <laughs> an overflowing desk may have a school nearby that will take their office supplies too. The final area I want to talk to you about today is the makeup and the nail polish, because that's another area that, you know, we do the bathrooms, but we kind of don't want to get rid of the makeup and the nail polish for that that one occasion <laughs> where we might might need those bright red lips. Or <laughs> So yes. how did you go about decluttering the makeup and the nail polish in your own home? So with the makeup, this was one of the last things that I decluttered. And What it came down to is I use a very small amount of makeup on a daily basis. It all fits into one of those tiny travel size bags. And then what I had in my cupboard were two larger travel bags that were full of makeup. And I considered that my backup makeup, which 
I don't know when's the last time I ever needed backup makeup, but I finally opened those bags and I realized I had makeup from when I was in high school that my mom had given me stuff that she didn't want, purple eyeshadow and glitter and things like that. And I thought, wow, I had just thought that's my backup stuff. I'll need that someday. But then I realized I'm never going to use that backup makeup. And actually, a lot of it was old and out of date and was kind of funky, didn't really work. So I ended up getting rid of all that backup makeup. And now what I do is I don't stockpile anything anymore. I just use my makeup until it's gone. And then I purchase a refill at that point. That way I'm not storing a whole bunch of makeup that is going to go bad or maybe already has gone bad. And when it comes to nail polish, it's kind of similar. I had a bin of nail polish that, again, I had forever because I don't use nail polish regularly. And like you mentioned, I would say I might need this for Halloween, you know, black nail polish. But then I realized it's not worth storing it uh, for a whole year because I might possibly use it one day out of an entire year's worth of time. Mm. Yeah. The makeup, I just want to talk about the makeup first because my fantasy self is the person who would buy all these different colors and shades and try them on when I got home and use them during my fantasy special occasions. (laughs) But these days, I know better. I'm not going to buy the crazy shades. I'm not going to experiment. I'm going to go with what works. And when it runs out, I go back to the store and buy more of exactly what works. I'm not sure if that's my minimalist side coming through or my eco-friendly side, or maybe it's just, you know, me getting older and not wanting bright purple eyeshadow anymore. And with the nail polish, I was really surprised to learn that nail polish, when you're discarding it, should not be put in the trash. So listeners, if you have a lot of nail polish, if we're inspiring you to um, declutter the nail polish, that should go to a hazardous waste disposal that towns usually have on a monthly basis. So just so you know. Thank you for telling me that because I did not know that. So thank you for that. Shannon, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about all the areas that you and I forget to declutter. Where can listeners find you online? Thank you so much. Yes, you can find me at shannontorrens.com. You can find me on YouTube, again, Shannon Torrens, and also my Instagram at Shannon Torrens. I tried to make it simple by just using my name. That's where you can find me. And I do about one to two videos on YouTube every single week. And I try to do at least one new post on my blog every week as well. Wow. You are a busy lady. (laughs) I mean, as a fellow content creator, that's a lot. I'm impressed. Three things a week. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Usually they go together, so there may be a blog post that kind of goes into more detail about the video or vice versa, but yeah, I try to stay busy with uh, sharing how we're living now and keep the momentum going. Well, you've just inspired me to up my content creation game. I'm barely, (laughs) I'm struggling with one podcast episode a week, but thank you so much, Shannon. I'm going to link to all your channels in this week's show notes, and I look forward to following you. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Shannon Torrens. I have linked to her blog as well as her super motivating YouTube channel, in this week's show notes, 
which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 110. That's M-A-M-A minimalist.com forward slash 110. On next week's show, we are outlining tangible ways, keyword tangible ways, to combat consumerism right now. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.